Hello and welcome to the Radical News Radio Hour with Serene Saade. You're listening to WFNU LP St. Paul Frogtown Community Radio 94.1 FM. Today we are discussing the recently announced rent stabilization campaign from Housing Equity Now St. Paul. We'll also have lots of announcements. On today's episode, we'll begin our month-long deep dive into housing justice by talking about a recently announced rent stabilization campaign. The campaign is the project of Housing Equity Now St. Paul, or HENS for short. Here's Alliance Policy Advocate Trom Huang on the campaign. My name is Trom Huang. I use she, her, her pronouns. I'm a policy advocate at the Alliance, and I'm also a member of Housing Equity Now St. Paul, or HENS. Huang discussed the recently announced campaign with me um, in a pre-recorded segment. In short, the campaign seeks to cap rent increases in St. Paul on an annual basis. Here's Huang. Housing Equity Now St. Paul has been working together for a little bit over a year, and we did come together initially to build power across the city to advance tenant protections. And as that was taking place, as we were talking to renters, engaging with people across the city, um, people were saying, yes, tenant protections are important, and our rent keeps growing way too much, way too fast, and our incomes aren't keeping up. And something has to be done um, in order to to keep us housed and keep us keep St. Paul home for us. And so we we spent the last year actually planning this campaign for rent stabilization in St. Paul and something that we're really excited about. All of our member organizations of HENS have been working hard and talking to their bases and talking to the people in their communities, renters, homeowners, landlords, um, to figure out, you know, what is it that we can do to actually bring people power behind rent stabilization. And what's really exciting about this policy and campaign is that when we did tenant protections, we had to go to city hall and get city council member to pass something. But the really neat thing about rent stabilization is that in St. Paul, we can actually, as the residents of St. Paul and as the people, bring a policy to the ballot in November and make sure that the people of St. Paul can vote on it. So for the first time in a long time, we get to be the actual policymakers. We get to bring something that we know will help people who are renting in St. Paul, especially low wealth, black, indigenous, people of color renters. And that's rent stabilization. It's a policy that would limit rent increases to 3% in a 12-month calendar year, which essentially means within a year, the maximum that your rent could increase is 3%. Um, And that's something really excited to launch because we've heard from people across the city that that's what they need, right? We know that predatory and corporate landlords have been increasing rent in a way that, in an egregious way, that is displacing um, our renters, displacing our communities, the people who we love, our neighbors, our families, our friends. And we know that there's something we can do about it. So our campaign is launching this week, and our goal is to collect 10,000 signatures from St. Paul registered voters um, in order to support rent stabilization getting on the ballot. And if we do get those 10,000 signatures, rent stabilization will be on the ballot in November Um, When we're voting for mayor, we'll also get to vote yes on rent stabilization. And it's really exciting to be able to build this movement um, around people as opposed to, you know, decision makers. Huang also recently spoke during a press conference announcing the campaign. Here's a short clip from that press conference. 
um, we know that renters belong in St. Paul and they belong in our neighborhoods. More than 50% of residents in St. Paul are renters and that number continues to grow every year. In 2020, our coalition started building a movement to keep all residents in their homes and together we made housing history. Our coalition, Housing Equity Now St. Paul, or HENS, is built on years of advocacy and groundwork by tenants and housing advocates. We came together as a growing coalition of groups rooted in community, specifically low wealth, <clears throat> black, indigenous, people of color communities, most affected by economic inequality and focused on housing justice. Our broad membership includes policy advocacy organizations, faith-based groups, youth organizations, legal experts, and district councils who are rooted and on the ground. Last year, we organized community members across the city in a grassroots campaign to elevate the need for tenant protections as a racial equity strategy and centered BIPOC and renter voices in the policymaking decisions. Together, we made sure that our St. Paul City Council passed the strongest tenant protections in the state, becoming the first city in Minnesota to include just cause protections, and hopefully not the last. Winning tenant protections was a really important victory, but we know it's just the first step. As we talked to renters about tenant protections, we constantly heard from them, these are great, just cause is great, security deposit limits are great, but what about the rent increases that continue to displace my family? What about the $100, $200 rent increases that force me out of my neighborhood and create so much housing instability? So we know that rising rents have disproportionately impacted BIPOC households and resulted in widening racial disparities in housing cost burden, housing instability, and as we've seen in our streets, homelessness. I've been a St. Paul renter and very recently become a homeowner. And through that experience, I'm quickly realizing that rent stabilization is beneficial because as a homeowner, I'm benefiting from a tool that keeps monthly housing payments consistent for homeowners, my mortgage. When I rented, I never knew what my rent increase was going to be if there was going to be one, if it would be small and reasonable, or if it would be an amount that would force me out of my home. Now as a homeowner, I know what I'll be paying for my housing every month for 30 years, give or take small changes for property tax and, and home insurance. That's a huge privilege and a sense of security and safety that I want for all of my neighbors, regardless of whether they rent or own. Hens, as Swang mentions, is a coalition that includes the Alliance, Frogtown Neighborhood Association, Jewish Community Action, and several other organizations. Here's Daniel, Daniel Swift of FNA discussing the HENS Coalition. Yes, my name is Danielle Swift. My pronouns are she, her, and I am the anti-displacement community organizer at the Frogtown Neighborhood Association, which is a district council in the city of St. Paul. There are a lot of different things that we do. So right now, I we, we do a food distribution, which doesn't seem like it's related to housing at all. However, we, um, we strategically locate ourselves at different places that we know um, either are already or are going to in the future be um, affected by development that's going to be coming. So as development comes into the city, what we're seeing is that there is usually an increase in rents. Um, increase in property taxes and things like that. And we know that that's something that can uh, fuel displacement, which is really, you know, people who have lived in the area and naturally affording, um, naturally occurring affordable housing. And, um, and so we, we locate ourselves there. So outreach is one of the biggest things, just talking to people, um, sharing information with people about 
what's coming soon? What are some of the changes that they may be seeing, asking them questions about um, issues that they're having, if any, with their landlord? Are they seeing um, rental increases? Those kind of things. So a lot of it is just is really just sharing information um, and, and being in community, which is something that I love. Um, now with the coronavirus pandemic, we don't get to be um, as in community as much as we were previously. Like we would host our Frogtown Forum um, inside of a school gym, invite people to come, um, share a meal. We recognize that food is one of these things that no matter who you are, where you come from, what your cultural background is, food and sharing meals with each other is something that is a common thread amongst um, everyone. And Frogtown is very diverse. And so we, we kind of lean on that as a way of knowing, like, this, this is an issue that uh, this is a way to get in touch with people no matter where they're standing. So, um, so a lot of it just looks like that right now. Uh, well, uh, how we were able to get into community together before, now we are trying to do as much of that as virtually as possible. So that provides a little bit of a challenge, but we still seem to be doing okay with it. Lots of work with our council members, um, our city planning staff, uh, and those types of things. So various things that all kind of come to the same point of how do we keep our community intact? How do we make sure that people who want to stay in Frogtown have the opportunity to do so? Well, Housing Equity Now St. Paul, or HENS, is, is the acronym that we've come up with. Um, they're a, like kind of a, a baby coalition that started from a bigger coalition we were a part of called the Equity in Place Table. Um, and Equity in Place has organizations that um, include Minneapolis, uh, organizations in Minneapolis and in St. Paul, um, Brooklyn Park. So more of like a, a regional area thing. And, and we would focus on broader issues. And as we knew that things were gearing up to make change in St. Paul with uh, with the tenant protections, we figured that it would make sense to um, be more focused with the organizations who are in St. Paul. And so it was kind of a spinoff from there. And I guess we got involved because we already were, you know. Uh, and not to toot our own horn, but we're a district council, and I, there are 17 in the city of St. Paul. And I don't think that there are uh, as many who are engaged quite like we are and like Westside, the uh, Westside Community Organization is. Southeast Community Organization has joined us as well. So, um, you know, we, being that we represent the neighborhood of Frogtown on a, on a neighborhood level, um, it feels really appropriate that we, that we be there. But I think also because we do deep organizing work rather than um, kind of like surface level stuff, I'd say. Um, that's that's kind of what keeps us there, you know. And uh, having that connection to community is a key is a key point to um, to doing the work. You know, we have to hear from a base of people. You have to be connected to a base of people. 
and that's something that we keep at the forefront of our work and so um and the same with our coalition members you know so we share that in common and i think that that's kind of um the thing that is the common thread that links us all together you know we all we all know how valuable that is and keep that in the forefront of our work according to swift rent stabilization is a crucial piece of the housing justice puzzle. Here's Swift speaking again during the recently held press conference. We know that no matter what neighborhood you live in within the city of St. Paul, um, everyone should have a safe and stable place to call home. We know that our community is stronger and more prosperous when our families, children, people who work here can put down roots and invest energy and love into their neighborhoods. Um, but there's been a growing number of corporate and predatory landlords that have chosen profit over people, spiking the rents to make more money and forcing out our neighbors out of their homes. Um, now that St. Paul has one of the strongest tenant protection ordinances in the state, we need rent stabilization to make sure that our neighbors aren't pushed out of their communities. Uh, we know that housing stability is a racial justice issue because of the generations of economic exploitation and exclusion from home ownership, 82% of black families, 64% of native families, 62% of Latinx families, 58% of Asian household, households in St. Paul are renters compared to just 39% of white households. We know from organizing that if you're black, indigenous, or a person of color, you're far more likely to experience the impact of predatory and unscrupulous landlords who demand unreasonable rent increases and intentionally price families out or simply boost their profits. We've heard from St. Paul renters from some of whom have seen their rent increases hundreds of dollars at a time that something must be done about this unreasonable rent, rent growth. And I've seen this in my organizing in Frogtown over the years, um, watch people be pushed out of the city, having to leave and disconnected from their families. And it's also something that I've experienced personally with my own family. Um, and that's why this is, it matters and it's important to me. Rent stabilization is one issue that organizers have taken up across the Twin Cities as part of several concerted efforts to create a more equitable housing landscape in Minneapolis, St. Paul, and across Minnesota. I recently spoke to Housing Justice Center President Margaret Kaplan about that work for housing justice in the Twin Cities. Here's Kaplan. My name's Margaret Kaplan. I use she, her pronouns. I'm the president of the Housing Justice Center. The Housing Justice Center is a nonprofit legal and policy advocacy organization that focuses on um, the protection of people who need affordable places to call home and increasing opportunities for affordable places for people to live. Our work really fits into three primary categories. Uh, one of the categories that we work on is legal advocacy. We represent um, individuals and groups of individuals and organizations in cases that are related to housing justice. A lot of that has to do with um, civil rights cases using the Federal Fair Housing Act or the Minnesota Human Rights Act. We also work on issues related to um, housing condition, um, so consumer fraud, uh, issues related to like, lead and asbestos. And we have a deep expertise in federal housing programs. Um, so 
if somebody is in a form of permanently subsidized affordable housing and say it's privately owned and the building owner wants to get out of it, what are the rules and conditions under which uh, they have to protect the people living there or even remain in the program? Uh, we also do legal advocacy related to manufactured home community preservation. Uh, so we've worked a lot with groups of um, people in manufactured home communities whose parks are at risk of closure um, to make sure that the park owners are following the right requirements and rules for giving people notice and providing access to relocation compensation. Um, and in that legal advocacy work, uh, we also work a lot pushing government entities to be following their own rules and laws um, as well. So um, we like to partner with people in that work. We like to work cooperatively, um, but we're also not afraid to use the law as a tool um, to enhance the power that people have in a fundamentally unequal system between tenants and landlords. We also work on policy advocacy as well, too. Uh, we work on the federal, state, and local level trying to uh, change laws in ways that are going to support the rights of people who need affordable places to call home and to increase the production of deeply affordable housing and the preservation of affordability that exists in communities. Um, and so we work a lot in partnership with organizations to really try and develop kind of that um, the technical details and the research that needs to undergird uh, policy uh, because it's great ideas that come from community that lead to excellent policy and it's having that legal and technical expertise that allows those policies to work for people. Uh, so we help support those kinds of solutions. And then the third category of work that we do really falls into this more research uh, and partnership space um, where we try and work with folks to identify those big ideas or issues that are looming on the horizon and really dig into um, the information to try and better understand what's happening, where it's happening, what are solutions, what have people done in other places, and how can we address some of these larger scale issues um, before uh, a looming problem becomes an imminent crisis. Kaplan spoke during the recent press conference and with me about the context in which movements like this campaign for rent stabilization exist. It speaks to a change both in the way that people are thinking about the role of community in defining the future of housing, as well as, I think, more pressure to really invest in community-focused efforts. Um, for, for a long time, when discussions happened about housing, a lot of the time they got trapped in this sort of like finance expert space. Um, and, and that's a very difficult space, I think, for people to feel valid and comfortable and valued in. It's full of acronyms and math. That's all it is is acronyms and math. But there's nothing particularly special about that. It, even the math isn't that hard. The bigger questions are about what do people want and why and how do you get there? 
And that doesn't take you know, a doctorate in finance in order to be a valid part of, but as long as the spaces where decisions are made are filled with these expectations about this sort of external credentialing, it kept people from being a really powerful part of conversations about their own futures. I think, I hope, that there's a change in that, that that's happening on multiple levels. Part of it is because I think folks who are doing community organizing and training community organizers and trying to build this more robust system are being much more vocal about not hoping that people listen to them, but demanding people listen to them and demanding to be part of the decision making. And that is translating in so many ways into changes that are happening both in philanthropy, like, like what philanthropy invests in is what is going to grow and build in some ways. And it's also translating into the way that political power is operating as well too. Um, so, and maybe that's a little bit Pollyannish or like pie in the sky, but, but I, you feel it's starting. Um, and I think that as things move forward, there is this hope, and I think it's a good hope to have that people will like build on that momentum um, and that will be allowed to flourish based on really amazing advocacy that's happening across different issues and systems as well, too. Because housing isn't by itself. It's so interrelated with everything else. Housing justice is a racial justice issue. It's a health issue. It is an education issue. It's an economic justice issue. It doesn't operate in isolation, which doesn't mean we ignore it, and it doesn't mean that we wait to address housing justice issues until the economy becomes a more just place. But it does mean that these things are interrelated, and as you have really powerful conversations happening about criminal justice reform, that has profound positive consequences on our conversations about housing justice. According to Huang, the policy advocate at the Alliance, rent stabilization is a crucial piece of the housing justice puzzle. So rent stabilization is, is timely for this moment because we've been talking so much about racial justice um, in the last year. And it's time that we actually not just focus on racial justice in in one sector, but really see how we can uplift it and make it a reality in housing, in economic development, in transit, and everything that we're working on. And so for me, it's important because, well, we know we've needed it for a long time. Um, it's a tool that can actually help with racial disparities in cost burden in housing. And we know that it works. There is so much research out there um, that shows how rent stabilization is effective in preventing the displacement of low wealth BIPOC renters. And these are the stories that we have to continue to tell, right? That it works, that our communities need it. Um, and, not, and not the stories that, that we've seen the landlord lobby um, and the real estate lobby push and fund for, for decades and pour millions of dollars into, which is these fear tactics around, you know, what could happen with rent stabilization. So I think it's important because people are talking um, and we know the truth about rent stabilization, which is that it works and it's a critical piece to the solution to solving the housing crisis. 
Hens hopes to get 10,000 signatures by June. If they're successful, a question on rent stabilization will be on the November 2021 ballot. Residents of St. Paul are eligible to sign and signatures must be collected in person. Here's Swang talking about the campaign and how it will be operating. So essentially what we're gonna be doing is, is launching signature collection um, at the end of March and we'll be out in community sites like Sunrise Shopping Center, um, at transit stops, at you know various places across the community um, to collect signatures from St. Paul residents. We'll also be helping folks register to vote if they aren't already, because in order for your signature to count, you have to be a registered voter in St. Paul. Um, so we'll be out there collecting signatures from end of March through mid-June, and hopefully it'll take us even before mid-June to collect 10,000 signatures because we know the energy is out there. We know people care and people are ready to take action. Um, unfortunately, we cannot collect virtual signatures. Everything has to be in person. So we're being very careful um, about getting PPE equipment to all of our volunteers and creating a COVID safety plan. But we are gonna be collecting signatures. So I encourage everyone out there that's a St. Paul resident to make sure you're registered to vote Follow us on social media. Um, our Facebook is Housing Equity Now St. Paul. Our website is housingequitystp.org. Um, we have popular education events because we know it's more, it's about more than just signatures. It's about building our power as renters, um, building our power as, as St. Paul residents. And so we're gonna have some events that are focused on um, building that power and, and we'll also have events focused on um, getting things on the ballot. So I encourage folks to come out, get involved. If you aren't able to vote in St. Paul, um, you can still be a part of the public narrative because that's gonna be the tough part. The tough battle is fighting those false narratives about rent stabilization that have been perpetuated by um, wealthy lobbyists for a long time. So whether it's you talking to your neighbors, your friends, or, family members or even elected officials, we just have to continue telling the story of how rent stabilization works and how it will actually keep everyone in St. Paul home and keep us, um, give us more stable communities. Well, that's gonna be it for the rent stabilization segment today. But we're gonna be hearing a lot more from all of those individuals in future episodes. And we'll definitely be diving deeper into this topic um, throughout this month. Thanks to everybody who participated in that segment. Today's housing justice coverage is the first episode of 10 episodes that center a deep dive look into housing justice issues across Minneapolis, St. Paul. I'm super excited for this coverage and I want you to reach out if you have any tips for stories that you think I should be covering, whether they're related to housing justice or not. A quick announcement. Um, as you may know, as I may have mentioned on past episodes, I host community journalism trainings as a journalist and educator here in the Twin Cities. I have a few trainings coming up, one on April 7th called Community Journalism, Racial Justice and Resilience, one on April 13th called Community Journalism, Power, Tension and Relationships, one on April 23rd called Community Journalism and Social Movements, The Intersections, Tensions and Challenges, and one on May 14th called Community Journalism Interviewing for Equity. You can find details about all of those events at journalismofcolor.com and you can also find them on Facebook and Twitter. 
as well on April 8th from 12 p.m. to 1 p.m. I'll be co-moderating a panel on rent stabilization and housing justice with M.K. Wynn, co-hosted alongside Voices for Racial Justice. Details for all of the events um, that I mentioned today can be found on Facebook. Just a reminder that you can find the Radical News Radio Hour on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter at CMiriam, and you can listen to previously aired episodes of this show wherever you find your podcasts. You can find our website at journalismofcolor.com, and that's where you can also find a transcript for this episode. You can reach our show at radicalnewsradiohour at gmail.com with tips, recommendations, and any questions. For now, thank you all for joining us for this episode of the Radical News Radio Hour. Just a reminder that you're listening to WFNU, LP, St. Paul, Frogtown, Community Radio, 94.1 FM. Thank you for listening. Thank you.